Bless your word, Heavenly Father. I ask that the words that I will speak this morning, may they be a demonstration of the Spirit's will and of power. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Just before I get into my message, I, I want to point out very quickly and briefly, the quality of men and women God is producing today is not different from the one he produced in the 70s. It's still the same God that creates. How he formed Adam and Eve is the same way he's been forming us. We are still made in his image. Amen. So if there's a problem in this generation, I want to challenge the older generation. I, I think you're part of the problem. Yeah. Because um, if God's quality did not change, the quality of his word has not changed, the power of the blood is still there, it still, it still has its efficacy, uh, then I think that there's a problem with what we do from Monday to Friday. Uh, I think we should go back again and uh, consider the things we do from Monday to Friday instead of just sitting and saying, I have a this generation. Uh, I'm, I'm honest about it. I think... Um, if the matured Christians did their work well, sometimes all they can add is just the harvest this year, right? But if we do what we should do, if the word is there, God is still God. He's still doing what he, he does. I mean, He's God. He doesn't change. So if something changed, I think it's our system. What they did in the 70s must not be what we are doing today. I know Mumbawa, I call me, I call But there has to be something different. At least I've read stories where people just come in on Sunday and just lay out in the presence of God. If I've ever done something like that, it had to be myself and me. So, I just wanted to challenge us before I go get into the Word of God. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 14, which is going to be the focus of our message this morning. The Bible says, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. And the second part is our focus, really. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Hmm. And the Bible says, I want to read a, part, a portion in Revelation chapter 2. Every time I move for that passage, it kind of scares me. And I, I think it's an important part of scripture for me. Revelation 12. I will read from verse 12. I'll stop somewhere in 14. To the angel of the church in Pergamum writes, These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live. Where Satan has his throne. Yet you remain true to my name. You did not even renounce your faith in me. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food, sacrificed to idols, and by committing sexual immorality. I want us to understand that the reason the Apostle John writes to these young men is because the Word of God leaves or abideth, depending on your translation, in them. He said, I am writing to you because of this. 
So that means if the word of God was not abiding in them, he would not write to them. If the word of God was not living in them, they would not be qualified for the things that he told them. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. He said, I'm writing to you because the word of God lives in you. So if the word of God does not live in them, then they would not be qualified for what he said to them. And we must understand that. And it is important for us to understand that because if the word of God did not live in them, he would not have written to them. And it reminds me of something Jesus said in Mark chapter 4 and verse 24 in the NIV. I, I want to read with the NIV. It says, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. I also like what the Living Bible, how the Living Bible put it. So I read the two out and he says, be sure to put into practice what you hear. The more you do this, the more you will understand the things that I tell you. I want to submit to us very quickly that what we do with what God tells us, the little he gives us, determines whether God gives us another one. You see, the Bible says, Jesus Christ said, consider carefully the things you hear, the measure you use, the measure you use will determine the measure that will be given to you. You see, some people are waiting for God to anoint them with the kind of anointing that casts out all manners of sickness and drives out devils just at your presence. But you see, God wants you to first of all obey the revelation of don't be angry and let your anger not lead you to sin before he sends that big anointing. I don't know if somebody's understanding what I'm saying. You see, God does not want to give you that big anointing that you desire until he sees obedience in the little things that he has given to you. What brings you to the place where God is going to take you to eventually is how you deal with the small things that God has revealed to you. God does not just find a man and just keeps throwing revelation at the man, except the man obeys the little revelations that God has given them in the first place. You obey, then you get more. When you obey, then I give you another one. If you cannot obey the first, I can't give you a second. That's why we come to church sometimes and some things are said, yet we go home empty because there's no revelation in our hearts. You see, God cannot give you revelation until you begin to live a life of obedience. What I'm trying to point out is this. What John was really saying in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 14 is that when the word of God abides in a person, what it truly means is that the person submits to the word of God. The person is living in obedience to the word of God. Now, let me explain. If, 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 if you don't agree with what I'm saying in Mark 4.24, I will take you to a second witness. As you know, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, the word of God is established. Let me take, let me take you to a second witness. James chapter 4 and verse 7. The Bible says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and the devil will flee. The word of God you know will not make the devil to flee. I'm sorry. You can put all the scriptures you have in your head if the devil shows up. If it's just in your head and not in your heart, the devil will not move an inch. What makes the devil move is the word of God you submit to. He says, submit to God. Then resist the devil and he will do what? He will flee. Submission first. Then the devil flees. Second. And sometimes we stop in verse 7. We don't go on to enjoy what verse 8 says. Verse 8 now says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And so when people submit to God, what happens is not just that they, when they submit to the word of God that the devil flees from them. Something else happens. Three things change in sights. The first thing that changes, you see the problem we have sometimes and why we, have, we lack faith in God 
is because our problems look so big and God looks so small. I'm telling you the honest truth. You know, we look at our problems and, ha, ah, I know God is big, but I'm not sure he can do this one. This one is just too big. You see, that's the problem. The problem is your view. When you're going to a mountain and you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're, a far dis- you're far away from the mountain, the mountain looks like you. It looks so small too, like your size. In and the mountain will be so small. Then you keep coming close to the mountain by submission. Every time you submit, God gives a new revelation. You come closer to Him. And every time you submit, a new revelation comes. You come closer to God. And then you get to a point where you get to the foot of the mountain. When you get to the foot of the mountain, you discover that the mountain is 20 times, a million times. Many times more than you think that the mountain was big before. You begin to see the true size of the mountain. And all of a sudden, your problem looks so small in the presence of the mountain. So you see, that's the problem. The problem is that we've not drawn nigh to God. When people learn how to draw nigh to God, your problems look so small. You also look so small. You see, that's the problem. That's why we're not humble in the church. People are not Kogali. Turn on with But what is capable? When you stand in the presence of God and you discover how weak you are, you discover that what is able, you, you fall down in humility. Go and ask all the prophets who saw God in a vision. When they see a vision of who God is, they fall down flat on their face because they discover how mighty our God is. So I dare you to start submitting today. When you submit, you get more revelation. You will take it down and you find yourself at the foot of God. And when you find God, when you find God for yourself, you will discover how big God is. Draw nigh to God. And God will draw nigh to you. It's not because God is far. So I'm not just begging. So no, he's already near. What he's necessarily saying is change your view. Come closer. By obedience, you come closer. Are you following what I'm saying? I'll give you a final witness. Go on, go three. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6. The Bible says that we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience. Well, what happens? When our obedience is complete. If it's not complete, forget about it. We cannot punish. See, there are disobediences. See, disobedience is not when someone is disobeying you. When the scripture talks about disobedience, it's talking about when someone is disobeying the will of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's the disobedience it was talking about. The disobedience is a disobedience to the will of God. Now, God is saying that, see, when you are not submitting, it is not, when your own obedience is not complete, you will see some things that are disobeying the will of God. You will be speaking to them, fasting or whatever, and when they are right to be here. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? When there is obedience, it is easy for things that are disobeying the will of God to move out in your life. Some things are staring you in the face in disobedience to the word of God in your life. The reason is because your own obedience is not complete. It was A. Allen who sought God and sought God and sought God until he found God. And God told him, okay, see, my boy, since you are praying, I'm going to tell you 13 things. When you complete these 13 things, the power you will see in your life, you will not, you cannot imagine it. And he had to obey. He said, if I, he said he forgot it for about some years. And his ministry was the same. The day he decided, he remembered it and decided to go and do those 13 things. He found out that a kind of no sickness, anybody who has read about A.A. Allen, even though he didn't end well, no sickness could stand in his presence. That was the simple reason why. He learned obedience from the foot of the master. And, it, and I want to point out too that the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3, 
The Bible says, In Christ lie hidden all the mighty untapped treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I want us to understand something, that there's too much of God that we can grasp. We need to grasp this. And there's too much that we cannot do on earth until we get this part of God. See, oh, we have too much work to do. Look around you. There's so much pain. There's so much misery. The world is begging for a manifestation of Christians now. If it was not begging for, for this before, now it is crying and shouting. Every time you enter the church, everywhere you go, there is a pleading for the manifestation of the sons of God. Nobody ever heard that before. Now it is so evident. And I dare tell you that, see, there are some things that we can never accomplish in the church until we get some things from God. And until we come to a place of obedience, Bible says that the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. Before he can open up those treasures, often I have the hidden. Someone has to open them. Before you can open them, you have to come with obedience. That's the delay. It is there. Let me tell you, let me tell doctors the simple truth. See, the cure of cancer is very easy. It is a treasure that is hidden somewhere in Christ. You don't know Eligan, he has the formula. He has the whole formula. The day he opens your eyes to it, you begin to see it. The reason why we are not seeing some of these things is because we are so much pursuing our careers and not pursuing God. When we start to pursue God like we ought to pursue God, we will discover sometimes, take some time out of your work, go find some secret place and pray it out with God. When we keep doing these things, our Mondays to Fridays, our schedules change a bit, and we start taking a little bit of time and giving God more, more than what we do in our offices, more than what we spend our time on on things that don't matter really in life. When we start doing some of those things, we will discover that at a point we will start seeing those treasures that are hidden in Christ. Some some people sometimes we we have this traditional belief that some of these advances in technology is from the devil. Where did the devil get the knowledge from? The treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. It does not exclude the wisdom and knowledge that will defeat cancer. It does not exclude the wisdom and knowledge that will defeat all manners of... Are you following what I'm saying? See, I'm serious about what I'm saying and I believe it. I have faced health challenges myself too and I've come to a point where I know that see that the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ Jesus. It is He that will give you the understanding. Medical doctors pray to God and God will open your eyes. Christians, talk to God and God will send the anointing that makes demons flee at your presence. But it starts with obedience. No obedience, no revelation. We don't get it right with obedience. We don't move any step forward. On for so many years, we sing the same songs and clap the hands, we clap, and nothing happens. And then we go back the same way we came, or even worse than we came. Because some people, because nothing is happening as it were. But if we get to the place of obedience, things will happen. Faith becomes, faith becomes tangible when we come into our services. People can see the move of God. And it will be easy to tell the sinner to repent. Why we are begging the sinner to repent? Well, because not that for the move of God like they ought to. When God shows up in his house, sinners will lay out in his presence and repent. That's the problem we have. We've refused to live a life of obedience. But yet we expect revelations. Anyone who abides continues to receive revelation and cannot be a traditionalist. 
The Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 to 5 that the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Now, I'm reading from the NIV because I like that word it used there. It said the word pretension. Pretension. There are some things that we do. Yeah, what's your scriptural backing? Well, it's okay. It has always been like this. It's not harmful. You know, it's there. It's not harmful. It's a pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Well, open it twice. So, well, even I'm scared. body fitted. It has to be body fitted. It cannot. May basically that scared. And so, yes, it has to be body fitted. Oh, body fitted. But you see, it is too tight, and you know, you know, it was too tight when you stood in the mirror. But because you see that's a pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Can I talk to somebody here? You see, sometimes some people come to church and they feel well, I've got a Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I've read it all. What can they tell me today? You see, that's a pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You see, he that will come to God must believe that he is. And he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. When you come to God, you must come with expectation. You must come with belief. But you come into church most times, traditionalists. Let's just go to church and perform our rituals today. See, church is not a ritual. Church is a spiritual place. When we come into the place, we come in as spirits and spiritual men. Because we are made of body, soul, and spirit. We shouldn't step into this place without expectation in our heart. Every time we come in here, God should visit us. Why would we come in and God will not visit us? Why would we come in and God will not do something in his house? He said, my house shall be a house of prayer. Why should we come in? Pray. Is it not to exchange and to speak to him and he will speak to us? Why do we come in and expect that we will speak to him and he will not speak to us? It's a traditional mindset. And it must be dealt with. And you see, that's one of the biggest problems. That stands in the way in the way of submission. And let me point out something. The reason why revelation is called revelation is because when revelation comes, it drives out darkness. If revelation does not pull down any stronghold in your mind, and it does not deal with any argument or pretension that you have in your heart, it is not revelation. When you meet revelation, you will know. Because when revelation comes, your eyes will widen. You begin to discover why some... I've, I've been reading sometimes on my own, just on my own, just studying the scriptures. And then all of a sudden, my wife has to again, she does not understand. Something just entered my heart. I've been reading it before, but I did not understand. But that day, God gave me enlightenment. So she cannot understand. And sometimes, something I understand in one second, it might take me one hour to explain. Because for you to come to where I am, you need to be the are you getting what I'm saying? So that's the problem. So sometimes I'm just to say, Neymar, I just forget about this. The problem, but that now the, the issue is that God just enlightened my heart. Revelation just came. Darkness fled. You see, sometimes I see people. I was discussing scriptures. I was I was talking to a banker. I came to a bank and he was trying to convince me about something. Then we got talking and I got ministering to him. He was trying to win me. I tried to win him. So um, eventually. We got to a point where he told me that he has only two problems. He said that he lies and he fornicates a lot. I said, okay. 
When I went home, I didn't tell him that. I was laughing in my heart. I said, this one, he has too many problems, but he doesn't know. You know why? When revelation starts coming, right? You think it's only lying and fornication. No, it's because revelation has not come. You see, when revelation comes, you start discovering that complaining is not good. Because the Bible says in James chapter 3 and verse 2, that's the scripture I've been meditating on because God has to help this my mouth to start saying only the things that he wants me to say. He said that we stumble in many ways. But if any man is perfect, is, is never at fault in the things he says, he says the same is a perfect man. Able to control his body anywhere he wants it to go. We don't understand that scripture. So sometimes somebody thinks that my problem is only lying. But it's not only lying. When revelation comes, it goes into, you see what the Bible does. The scripture says this, and I like that scripture. It says that the word of God is spirit and powerful. But there's something I want to say, I want to bring that. He said it has a, it has a habit of distinguishing, distinguishing between the soul and the spirit. You see, there are some times that you are praying or you are saying something, and you are thinking that these things, of emotions again, that's your soul, that's not your spirit. The word of God has a habit that when it starts coming in, your emotions, you are allowing your emotions to get to you. That's why you are talking like this in the presence of God. And it begins to tell you, see, no, this is what the spirit wants. That's the idea behind the word of God. Ah, where God helps us. That's what we're here to do. To understand the things that we should. I have a few more minutes and I would like us to really pray about some things. Since today is Young People's Sunday, I would like us to spend at least 10 minutes praying. So I would like to end before, before my time. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 12, where we read. I want to point out another very important thing that we must understand. Anyone who does not abide in the word of God is a ready tool for destruction in the hands of the devil. If you go, I, I read a book some time ago, The Torture for Christ. If you read that book, you see that some of the worst things that happened were not because the government was against Christians. Some of the worst things that happened was because Christians turned against Christians. And when they are Christianity, they change they were professing Christ before. But when they see a gone, they change. Those were the biggest problems they have. Now let me tell you something. Think about it. Think about it deeply. Because I thought about it. And I arrived at that conclusion. While I was in the presence, I began, I began to think about it. The Spirit laid it in my heart and I began to think about it. When has persecution ever destroyed the church? Has there been any time from history or scripture that persecution made the church to end. Never. That was why God was telling them in Pergamon. That when you were where the devil had his throne. Let a mock or say that and you were praying for and die. So I answered you. They were not praying for and die my brother. He said that you just held on to your faith. And because you held on to your faith. You came through that path. The devil now changed tactics because he discovered that he could not destroy them from the outside. That persecution was not, make this, was not going to make this church to die. He now sent Christians in their midst to come with the Balaam principle. So Christians began to destroy Christians. That's the problem of people that they are dangerous people to stay around though, when they refuse to continue in revelation. Very dangerous. 
Because all these things, people are crying about fool and he hates men. If it eventually comes, your brother will give you up. Somebody you are praying in the same church with will give you up. Because Christianity is not a true Christian. He's coming to church just to come to church. He is not abiding. So there's no revelation now. So when they come, he doesn't really understand who Christ is. Are you getting what I'm saying now? Are you following what I'm saying? That's the problem. Anyone who does not continue abiding cannot continue to receive revelation. And there are dangerous tools in the hands of the devil. Those are the people that the devil will use to bring in strange principles into the house of God. Go check them. They are the people. You see, as I was praying about this, the Lord began to speak to my heart a bit. I believe it's the Lord because I hardly ever, I'm, I'm the kind of person that, this is one of the few times I've ever written a message because I enjoy reading books. For the past few years, God has brought me to a point where even in my phone, I have a lot of books in my phone. So if I'm walking, I have a little time to sit down. Just sit down and start reading one Christian book like that. So, but when I was writing this, it took me, it took me some time because, you know, I just kept struggling with my spirit. But one day I was praying about it. And then, you know, I, I, I'm not the kind of person that likes saying that, that God now touched me and said something, you know. I don't like that. I don't like using it that way, except. But I, I sensed in my heart, in my spirit, God began, it was, it couldn't have been my mind. It was because there was no reason why it should happen then. I didn't have any discussion with anybody about assemblies of God that day. So, you know. And then God started telling me something. He said, we believe God for a harvest among some believers. And we are correct. God will give harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest. He said, we believe Him. That the, we are praying and crying desperately. That this fool and headsman thing will go. He said, if we cry desperately and we really turn away from our sins and the things we should, that He will hear our prayers. He said, but then, how many people have ever cried desperately about what is happening in the assemblies of God. Christians are fighting Christians. Now, if God, he now said to me, if I can turn the heart of an unbeliever, who's, who is the son of the devil? Some of these people now know They call on me. I can speak to them. If there are stubborn ones amongst them, I will withdraw them from the church. But you see, God does not have a, I say it with all seriousness. Some people might disagree, whatever. God is sovereign, yes. But he does not have a legal right to step into that thing until his children call him in by intercession. So every church you go to now, and everybody is praying about Fulani headsmen. But assemblies have been fighting for over a year now, I believe. Nobody is praying about it. Nobody. Check, check what I'm telling you. We are so afraid. We are afraid. Hey, these people will come and kill us. But we are not seeing the souls that are perishing because of the thought. You don't understand what I'm saying. These are people that are already in the kingdom. The devil has abandoned the kingdom and is disrupting our flow in the kingdom. And we are quiet about it. Pastors are not praying for it. Christians don't think it is important. Fulani has me We start praying. And we want the Lord to answer. <laughs> so when he said, I said, I'll share it to two people. Because that is the problem. Most of the times, because we don't really abide, the only command, the only command that Jesus gave his disciples was what? 
What was it? Kuonunu. Eh? Love one another. By this, the world will know that you are my disciples. Chicken, No other command. If you are in the New Testament, go see my other command. That is how the world will know that you are Christians. Now, please, what is love in it that, my, that two of my brothers are fighting? Going to court. And I'm not talking to God about it. That shows that I lack revelation. I'm not abiding. If I were abiding in the first place, I would have understood what Christ meant by love. And I would have ensured that when they started fighting, and I believe, God, sort this thing out. Sort it out. I'm going to worry for I Sort it out. I beg you one hour, God, sort it out. I'm going to make it, make it, I will sort it out. I'm not going to say, help us. I am going to for two hours. Help us. I make it here. God will come down. Anyone who abides exercises authority. One of the things I've noticed about us is that so many times we want God to do, 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 do. But the ones that he has even delegated us to do, we are not even doing. Anyone who abides delegates authority, exercises authority. You know the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3 to 4 that if our gospel be heed, it is heed only to them who are unbelieving. He said, in whom the God of this world has done what? Blinded their eyes. Because who is the God of the world? Or God of this world? Who is the God of this world? The devil. Do you not have authority over him? Now listen to me very carefully. A lot of times that we see people misbehaving, every time he comes to church, he does certain things. We think that when a demon is involved, it's only when someone is misbehaving somehow and behaving like a mad person. What everybody you see, thank God this man said it before I even came here, so perhaps even on Sunday, I feel safe with that. She said that anybody who is an unbeliever, who is, who is the father? The devil. Anybody you see, who is misbehaving? Who has a problem? He is the, he is the father of temptation. You see, sometimes you take authority over the devil. I don't see it happen a lot amongst Christians. A lot of times we pray for the, we pray that God will go and do. We always tell God, God win, God do this, God do this. God says, see, everything I need to do to make the sinner repent, I have done. When Jesus died on the cross, what did he say? I finished my path. That's what he meant by that. I've done my own. You do yours. Take care of your business down here. Why is it that we cannot do our own? Why can't you take authority over the devil in the lives of these people? Are you telling me, see, one of the things I hate so much is that when I see Christians, when they are coming to church, they are coming to catch fire. You are supposed to be coming with, to church with fire. So that when you come in and the sinner comes in amongst us, we, we should, no, I'm telling you the honest truth. If your own is shining and my own is shining. I remember a story that John Gile told. I'll just share that story. He said, they were praying for somebody who was mad, who was in Wales. John Gile, if you remember, was an apostle who served in South Africa. Now he said, while they were praying for the person in Wales, he said all of a sudden, the Lord took him into the spirit realm and he started seeing every one of them in the church. Christians, Christians, 
No, but I'll be a people and they deceive one. He saw something like light coming from all of them. He said, all of a sudden, that light came together and became a force. That force entered into him, carried him out of his body. And he saw himself on what I call Holy Ghost crafts, flying above Spain. Also, if he gets to Spain, he knew when he got to Spain. Flying above Italy, then he got to Wales, entered the house of the woman, prayed for her. And two days later, they received a letter that the madness disappeared. It was the work of Christians. Men and women like you and me. Praying in a usual church meeting. And something unusual happened. Why can't the same happen today? Take authority over the devil. Take authority over him. Some of us, I believe in men are Take authority over the I was like that. I'm telling you the honest truth. Maybe that's why I understand these things. I was a very fair, even, not, even as a Christian. The devil scared me. Women are scaring the devil has scared me in this life. But I've come to a point now where get out. He goes his way, I'll go my way. No, that's how you treat the devil. He said, that's how you deal with the devil. You, you chase him the way you chase a dog. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, if you don't do that, well, that's your business. That's your problem. But you have to learn how to take authority over the devil. I will make the last point. Okay, before I go to the last point, I just want to point out something. One of the problems we have is that when you look at our school fellowships, and most of us in church, what we just do is to complain about things. We just keep complaining. And complaining is not scriptural. Please, what is scriptural is praying. When we keep gossiping in our school fellowship, I'm just saying this because today is, is, is Young People's Sunday, it doesn't help us. I don't know why I, feel, I felt impressed when I was writing this to write it out. Psalm 103 verse 20. If you have your Bible, open it. Psalm 103 and verse 20. Praise the Lord, you his angels. You mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. That's what the NIV says. Let me read it in the KJV because I like something it brought out. It says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Let me submit to you quickly that the word of God has a voice. I just want to put it that way. I'm reading scripture. Somebody wrote it. I'm only reading what it is. And I believe it is the word of God. I strongly believe it. The word of God has a voice. And angels recognize it. You see, let me tell you why most times people speak the word. Apart from, you know, uh, of course, we've talked about submission. Why people speak the word a lot of times and things are not happening, which is still the submission, is that if you go to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, the Bible says that we overcame the devil. The we there is not, the day the, 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 there, which I'm translating to we, if you read before that, it was talking about angels fighting, the Archangel Michael fighting the devil. It was not talking about the angels there. I've always thought it was the angels. Please, go home, read it well. The we, the day overcame, but the sense, us. Now we overcame the devil, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the words of our testimony. Now, if you go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 24, the Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ, in fact, the NIV puts it this way, it says, speaks a word. It speaks a word. Other translation says that it speaks, that the blood of Jesus Christ speaks. Now, see, the blood of Christ is speaking for you, if you are a Christian. Now, look at where the problem lies. Somebody claims that they are a Christian. The blood of Jesus Christ is speaking for him. The blood of Jesus Christ is speaking that, see, this guy, according to the things that you have done, you should be dead. 
but mercy for him. That's what he's saying for this brother. Now, the same person walks out. He meets another person. That was what Jesus Christ was talking about in that parable. He meets another person who has done something very small to him. He says, I will not forgive you. So, remember, Revelation 12, 11. The blood of Jesus Christ and the word of their testimony. So, the two were working together. We talked about being unequally yoked. The two are yoked together. The blood of Christ is speaking. The words of your testimony are agreeing with what the blood of Christ is saying. So if the blood says you are sanctified, the words that should come out of your mouth should be sanctified words. Now when the words are not sanctified, when it is not agreeing with what the blood of Jesus Christ is saying, there is a problem. You see, the Bible says in James chapter 3 and verse 11, that can a fountain produce bitter and sweet water. So the problem now is that because the blood of Jesus Christ is speaking good things, but your words of testimony are not saying the same thing that the blood of Christ is saying. When you start talking, angels are surprised. Who is this one quoting the scripture? Who is this one talking? We know the word of God. This is the word of God. But this voice, the voice of this word, it does not make sense to us. Because we know that this voice normally pollutes us when we come around. He generates a lot of bitter water. Why is he trying to generate something that he does not know how to do? You cannot generate bitter and sweet water. When people's statements become positive, you know, what pastors teach us only is to, is to stay positive and say things positively. No, I'm talking about the generality of the things that come from your mouth. That time that you're sitting down with Sister Neka, what are the two of you discussing? What are you telling her? If the words that are coming out of your mouth, because the blood of Jesus Christ is supposed to still be working at that time. If it is still working, then the things you should be saying to Nena should agree with what the blood of Jesus Christ is saying about you. Did somebody understand what I explained now? If it is not like that, your statements are nonsense when you speak. Angels cannot obey you. Stand up, let us pray. And he that abides, abides completely. Today is Young People's Sunday. And that will be the focus of my prayer. If you are a mature Christian here, I want to tell you that pornography and sexual sins, I watched pornography. Man, I watched pornography. I watched pornography and watched pornography. <sighs> Thank you for the blood of Jesus. God delivered me. How he delivered me, I, wasn't even, I didn't struggle with it. I was a Christian for some time and it was still a problem. But just like that. The day it happened, I knew. Before I stopped it, I knew. something. I just knew something has happened. It took three months to manifest, but I knew. At a, at a point, it became bitter to me. I want everyone here who has authority over the devil. See, there's a spirit behind pornography. I strongly believe it. I want you to begin to deal with that spirit now in this service. If there's anyone who stepped into this service, any young person that stepped in here, that is still struggling with any sexual sin, I want you to deal with that spirit. I want you to open your mouth and begin to pray. Begin to talk to the Lord. If you know you have authority, but if you know you have authority over the devil, begin to speak to the Lord. Begin to rebuke that devil. Rebuke the devil that is behind it. Rebuke the devil that is behind it. Rebuke the spirit that is behind this. Rebuke the spirit behind pornography. Rebuke the spirit behind sexual things. Rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. See, some of them don't fornicate, but they are addicted like me. They are, they, are, they are addicted to pornography. They might not be fornicators. But they are addicted to something. Talk to the Lord. 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The Bible says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. God, you told me that you have given me authority over snakes and over scorpions to trample over them and over all the power of the enemy. And you promised me that nothing shall by any means hurt me. The word also declares in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 18. It says that the things that I bind on earth, that those things are bound in heaven. Therefore, Lord, in agreement with my brothers and my sisters in this house, we raise a standard over every spirit of pornography, over every spirit that is behind sexual sins, Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare that we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. But we don't want to focus on it. We know that we have weapons that have divine power to pull down strongholds, bring down imaginations, and every proud thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Therefore, you proud thing called pornography, you proud thing that is exalting yourself against the knowledge of God, you come in and you steal the word of God in the lives of these people. In the name of Jesus, I judge you in the name of Jesus. I judge you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the spirit of pornography. Lose your hold in the name of Jesus. And we declare that who the Son of Man has set free, he is free indeed. In the name of Jesus I pray. We have prayed and he has answered. He has broken barriers. He has broken fetters. We know there is nothing that he cannot do. And so, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for breaking the barriers that have held your people even this long. Father, we say receive our praise in the name of Jesus. Our God and Father, we give you thanks for the knowledge that you will yet come again. For the knowledge that we will yet meet you in glory. Father, we thank you for the word that has come forth to us today. Father, words which by your grace shall not stand in judgment against us on that day. Thank you, Jehovah God, for those whom you have set free. Free from sexual sins. Free from different kind of immoralities. Father, we give you thanks and praise. Thank you, God, because it is not your desire that your people perish. Thank you, Lord, because today, Lord, we will continue to live and to let your word abide in us. Thank you, Father, for answers to our prayers, because we have prayed yet again in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we have prayed.